Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, Interim Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the President and CEO of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. Hi, Bill. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you. It seems like my life has been sort of like that police song, Man in a Suitcase. I've been uh, out and about in lots of hotels, but it's good to be back. Yeah, and world traveler too. You've been around different time zones on the other side of the world, and now you're off to Europe this weekend. So that's exciting. It is. It's partially my new role. Yeah, you know, I'm realizing as the face of a business, part of a big part of your job is networking. But it's also, and I, I know you've been traveling a lot too. There's just a lot of attention now on healthcare and diagnostics, not just in the U.S. but globally. It's a busy time, but it's a good time. Well, as you probably know, COVID cases have been rising. So as you travel, hopefully you're taking all the appropriate precautions. I know when I'm traveling a long flight, especially if I'm around a lot of people, I've started masking again, at least for certain times when I feel like there's an increased risk. So that would be probably a good thing for us to talk about, though. COVID cases are going up. And for the past 30 days, hospitalizations and even deaths have been rising, although they are still low at this point. It's it's worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting that you mentioned it because one of the, the places I had the opportunity to visit was China. And you actually have to have a negative COVID test still to get oh, into China. Still. I hadn't had I'd think about that for a while. And I thought, yes, COVID cases are going up. There's some new variants. Some of them are named that are out there that are are becoming the predominant strain. Kids going back to school now or back in school and going into cold and flu season. So yeah, lots for us to talk about for sure. Yeah, well, let's start with the new strains. First of all, they all seem to be variants of Omicron. And the original strain of Omicron or even Alpha and Delta and all those others, those are no longer circulating, but now we have these new strains. And from uh, just looking at the CDC website, some of the more prominent ones right now would include one called ERIS, E-R-I-S, or EG.5. And it's an Omicron variant. I thought this was interesting. It's nicknamed after the goddess of strife and discord, a Greek goddess. Mm. And that's now comprising about 20% of the cases of the U.S. And then there's another strain called Fornax. There's one called Perola, latest to emerge this summer. It's been detected in 15 countries worldwide so far, including the U.S. So there's some concern. Some of these strains do have a good number of mutations. Yes, there is. And it's interesting because I think the fact that we're hearing about all these strains is actually reflective of the efforts that happened during the height of the pandemic to get global genomic sequencing and surveillance in place. So when people hear about these variants, it might seem like, oh my gosh, COVID's so different than anything else. Maybe not. It's just the fact that we have so much more information about COVID now than we did about other circulating respiratory viruses. That this is, as I understand it, you're the expert pretty common for these things, right? Well, absolutely. This is an RNA virus. And as we've talked about before, RNA viruses don't have good ways to repair themselves and they're more likely to make errors when they mutate. And therefore you get a lot of viruses that don't work at all and don't continue on, but some that get a mutation that might make it more likely to get transmitted. And then that virus may become a predominant strain until it's replaced by the next strain. So this is all part of the general I don't want to say life cycle because classically viruses aren't considered to be alive, but just part of the normal cycle of viruses. 
Yep. But maybe Bill, with your immunology background, if you want to tell us what this might mean for vaccines. First of all, the reason that we keep hearing about them is because they, these variants do appear to be part of the recrudescence of infections, the fact that infections are going up again, right? And it is part of the how this whole interaction between the virus and us as the hosts of the virus kind of plays out. We develop immunity that the virus changes, and so the immunity is slightly less effective, and therefore we can get reinfected. Also, we learned a lot. We've learned a lot during COVID and with immunization, and the, and the immunity is not that long-lasting either. So you combine the fact that immunity in general to these COVID viruses appears to not be quite as long-lasting as some, and the fact that as it changes, it gets this whole immune evasion, which is the proper term for it, that it can actually affect the host because it's different enough than the prior strain. These are the two things that are driving probably the rise in cases. The good news is that although, as you say, hospitalizations and even deaths are going up, by and large, most people do seem to be having mild infections and the numbers of hospitalizations and deaths are not near what they were like with the original Omicron surge. All that being said, it's really a good idea to get immunized, particularly if you're someone that's at risk. It's still the same risk factors for hospitalization and, and severe illness. You know, So if you have underlying conditions, all the, those sorts of things, consult with your doctor. But it's a good idea. My parents will be moving into more of a communal setting. I told they were asking me about it. I said, well, in a communal setting, for sure, you'll want to think about getting immunized because that's where these viruses tend to spread. So it just takes a good dose of common sense. But the vaccines are out there. The good news is that we've heard is that they seem to be effective against these more recent strains. Although, again, some of them are so newly described that we don't know with absolute certainty, but they should be. Yeah. Well, it's a really good point you just made, Bill, too, that we have such great information on all these different strains because of now all the genomic testing that's been available. And that goes towards our role in the laboratory and why it's so important to be able to monitor, uh, not just for diagnostics, but also monitoring emergence of new strains and how they spread across the world. But it does make it sound a bit more alarming that we're detecting all these viral strains. But really, again, it's just part of the cycle of viruses and especially RNA viral replication. Yep. But that's, speaking of the laboratory and our role for testing in a diagnostic standpoint, the CDC has some really nice guidelines on when to get tested. And in a nutshell, you should get tested immediately if you have symptoms. And the over-the-counter antigen tests are very widespread, but we have to remember they're not as accurate as PCR, especially negative results. So if you yeah. don't feel well and you have a negative antigen test, you really should take another antigen test after 48 hours and consider yourself potentially infectious during that period. Don't go out and, and spend time around others who might be vulnerable to infection. Yep. No, that's right. And the other thing is yeah, we have to remember is that other respiratory viruses are back now. So unlike the first year after COVID emergence where there was this really almost no cases of influenza and RSP and others, now there's others. So you have a negative COVID test. It doesn't mean that you don't have an infection. And right. now there are there's there's flu vaccines and now there's going to be an RSV, respiratory syncytial virus vaccine as well. So maybe if particularly if you're someone that's worried about getting ill, negative antigen test, contact your physician. Maybe you need to go to a, the urgent care or to your provider to get tested for other respiratory viruses, particularly if you're quite ill, because there are other therapies for those. And the other thing you brought up before is masking. I mean, we talked a lot about masking during COVID, obviously, but masking is a good way to prevent the transmission and the catching 
of respiratory viruses. And I, when you were talking about air travel, man, the airports I've been in have all been very crowded. And the numbers show that air travel is now busier than ever. There were fewer flights. Many flights were cut back after with COVID. So it's just something to be mindful of. It's kind of a mixed bag. But if you're worried about getting sick or you just want to avoid it, it doesn't hurt to wear a mask, particularly an N95 mask if you have one. Well, and it also doesn't hurt to wear a mask if you're not really feeling well, if you think you might have a, a respiratory virus and you don't want to spend it, spread it to your colleagues, stay home if you can. But I did have a colleague the other day who felt pretty well, but was sneezing a lot. So she put on a mask and just stayed in her office and was very good with hand hygiene and let all of us know she wasn't feeling well. So she really tried to limit contact. And, you know, that might be acceptable in some settings as well. You really have to look at each setting individually. Yep. So we have those masks and we might as well use them as appropriate. Yep, indeed. I think that's right. This is, hopefully these are best practices that we can just sort of adopt going yeah. forward. A lot of countries are, are very likely to wear masks when they don't feel well or they're worried about catching infections. I think it's just been in the United States where that hadn't really caught on, but I don't know, maybe it'll be a new trend. Yeah, certainly you see it now. I think it's not universal, but there are more people wearing masks now than I remember pre-COVID. That's for darn sure in the U.S. And with that, I guess uh, we'll just keep watching. Other things keep happening. I did tweet about an amoebic infection that was reported in Arkansas. You know, I've discussed this before. Rare. I don't know if you saw that. I did. The so-called brain-eating amoeba, which really does invade the brain and digests it. So technically, that name is correct. It is a brain-eating amoeba. And the fatality rate is extremely high. We see it mostly in the southern states. Thankfully, it's just a handful of cases each year. But it's gotten all, it's been all the way up to Minnesota. We've had two cases in Minnesota where we are, Bill. And we may continue to see more cases as global warming occurs. This is an amoeba that loves living in fresh water, not salt water. In they, It particularly likes warm temperatures. Yeah. Beware of swimming in warm ponds, I guess, is the take-home message there. So... Yes, but, uh, avoid getting water up your nose specifically, because that's how it gets yeah. green is through your nose. Got it. Hold your nose if you're going in a warm pond. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, not to make light, it's, it's just the things that it's are very out there. Serious so it is for sure. So there's always lots to consider, a lot for us to talk about, and uh, it's great to catch up. Yeah, thanks, Belle. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.